series on prayer. Uh, so that was what we started off this term with and we've done six weeks on that. We had a break last week when we had our open day here and we're back onto it this week as we finish up this term. Next term we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John and uh, learning about Jesus' life uh, through that. But uh, for the moment we're going to continue on with the prayer series. And today what I'm going to do is basically a bit of an overview of what we've done so you can get a bit of a picture if you haven't been here or if you've missed one or seen how it goes. And then I'm going to answer a couple of questions that were put into a box. There weren't too many put into the box for us. So I'm going to answer those for us because uh, this was a question and answer time. Uh, and then if we get time, I'm going to show a quick video clip, which I think will be really helpful just to finish off our series on prayer. But I'm not going to tell you too much about that until we get to it. So I'm going to pray which is a good thing to start when I'm talking about prayer, isn't it? So let me pray and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, for your word and we thank you, Lord, that we can in it see uh, what you desire of us. Lord, we can see uh, the things that are most important in life and, Lord, in it we learn about what it is to, uh, to pray. We ask this morning that as we think about that, as we recap what we've done, as we answer a couple of questions, Lord, as we look at a, a video clip of a skit, that, Lord, you'll challenge us and change us to be people who are people of prayer. Thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, we've been looking at prayer over the last six weeks, and I don't know whether you remember, but we actually kicked off the series by looking at a couple of uh, quotes of children who've prayed. So I thought I'd do a couple of those again because they were really good, the first three. Uh, this is what uh, some kids have said when they've, pray- when they've prayed, and that will help us then lead into what is prayer. Uh, This is what one child said. He said, Our Father who does art in heaven, Harold is his name. Forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. I think he was working on the Lord's Prayer but got a few things mixed up. We had this one. Dear God, my brother is a rat. Please give him a tail. It's not bad either, is it? What about this one? Or the wife who invited some people over to dinner one night and at the table she turned to their daughter, six-year-old daughter, and said, uh, would you like to say the blessing this evening? And the little girl said, oh, I wouldn't know what to say. And the mother just, walked, just leaned quietly and said, just say what mum says all the time. So they bowed their head and they prayed and the daughter said, Lord, why on earth did I invite these people for dinner? <laughs> that would have put her on the spot, wouldn't it? Uh, They're funny, aren't they? And they put us in the picture of saying, well, what is prayer? What do we do when we pray? And that was our very first talk, what is prayer? And in our very first talk about what is prayer, I'm not going to show all these verses that are up there, but we looked at um, some passages in Genesis chapter 2 and then in Romans chapter 8. And what we saw from those passages was that we have a God who is a personal God, a God who is about relationships. A God that's not just out there and set the world off and let it go. A God that isn't just some mystical figure that we think's around, but a God who's a a real God, who's a personal God, who actually steps into our world in Jesus and wants to have a personal relationship with us. And that he wants us to grow in that personal relationship with him. And we found from the very first studies that prayer is about growing in our relationship with God. That's the main aim of prayer. It's about growing in our relationship with God. 
Prayer is about talking to God. It's about communication with God. You see, God speaks to us through his word, the Bible, and then we speak back to him in prayer. It's a conversation in a sense. It's a communication. Uh, And it's about growing that that relationship to help make it grow. I read a story the other day about an older gentleman who was asked by his nephew about how his marriage had been so strong and survived. And this is what he said. He said to his nephew, he said, Your aunt and I never ended up needing any help in our marriage. You see, she studied communication at university and I studied theatre. And if you said, what on earth has that got to do to having a marriage survive well? Well, the uncle replied, uh, your aunt's good at communicating and I'm good at acting like I'm listening. <laughs> well, it's not quite the same with God. He doesn't act like he listens. He does listen and he does answer prayer. And so that's what we learned in our first study that prayer is communication. It's talking to God. It's growing our relationship with God. It's growing in our love, our trust, our dependence, our intimacy with God. A God who's a personal God. A God who listens. A God who answers. A great God to be speaking to. Well, that was the first week. That was about six weeks ago, if any of you can remember back that far. And the second week what we did was we looked at the wonderful privilege of prayer that I think sometimes we take for granted. Sometimes we just think, well, we'll just use it when we like. It doesn't matter if we don't or we do. But it's a wonderful privilege that we have that we can speak to the creator of all and we can li- he listens to us and he answers us. And so we looked at two passages from Ephesians chapter 1 and Romans chapter 10. And these are the few things that we come up with. I just came up with five. There's probably many more blessings than that. The first one is in prayer we grasp hold of God's blessings to us. In prayer we grasp hold of what it is to have salvation, that we trust and believe in Jesus. Uh, In prayer we can thank God for all his wonderful gifts. We're able to say thank you. In prayer we hang in there with our relationships. Sometimes relationships aren't good and when communication is good it breaks down but when communications they get stronger and the same with God, we can hang in there with our relationship with God. In prayer, we are fellow workers with God. That God actually, through our prayers and with our prayers, actually accomplishes the things that he wants to do. That's a part of the way how he operates and how he works. In prayer, we grow in our relationship with God. What wonderful privileges they are, aren't they? So the question we asked at the end of that was, how often are we praying? It's a good question, isn't it? Don't we just pray when things are tough and the, oh, Lord, get me out of this type prayer? Or should we be praying more often? Should it actually become more of a way of life rather than just something that has to be done or something that just is done when we're in trouble? Well, we encourage you to make it a part of your life, didn't we? Because prayer is all about relationship. And as we looked at the next one, we looked at Jesus' prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer, that Our Father Who Does Art in Heaven, where that came from. Uh, And we looked at that from uh, Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. And that's a wonderful prayer, isn't it? 
And he says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a great prayer, isn't it? Uh, But we noticed that when we looked at that prayer, that it was more than just something that we could just say off by heart like I just did. Because what happened was the disciples saw how Jesus prayed and then they asked him, Lord, how can we pray like you? How can we have that intimate relationship that you have with God? How can we have that in prayer? And so that's the context to the Lord's Prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer is all about relationship. And we saw that the very first part of the Lord's Prayer is all about God and who he is and praising him for that. And then the second part of the prayer is all about our needs and what we need from God. And so it puts it in proper perspective, doesn't it? Uh, and we worked out and we thought about it, didn't we? We thought, how often, if we do pray, when we pray, are we like a Ferrari? A Ferrari goes from zero to 100 in less than four seconds. Are we like that in prayer when it comes to God? Do we go from zero to four seconds and jump past the God bit and get straight on to our needs bit? Or should we spend as much, if not more time, just praising God for who he is? And then about our needs and what we're on about. And so that's what we saw in Jesus' prayer. And we saw that if we pray like Jesus, then we will live like Jesus. If we pray like Jesus, then we will live like Jesus. Because Jesus' life was all about an intimate relationship with God. And that's the type of life that we want to live. In the same vein, in the same manner. And then we watched what some thought was a beautiful, amazing, stunning performance by Cliff Richard. And others thought, was that a bit of a joke? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was good. Cliff, Cliff Richard sang the Lord's Prayer. Uh, if you want to watch that, I'll play it afterwards. You can see it. We'll put it on the screen. Uh, I think when you see Cliff doing this in the middle of it, you wonder what on earth he's on about. But uh, it was great, wasn't it, to have that in song. He sang it. And the passion that came through that was great. That might remind you of what we did. Then uh, we looked at some more examples. I hope you're getting a picture of what prayer is like. It's about growing in your relationship with God. It's about the privilege of being able to speak with him. It's about the intimate relationship that we have with him. And because of that, then it's also about praying for others. And that's what we saw in the next one. Les actually preached to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And he saw how we are to speak to God about others. How often when we pray, do we just pray about me, myself and I? It's a challenge, isn't it? Whereas if you read through the New Testament, you read through the Bible, most of the prayers are either about God and how great he is and about others. There are moments of prayer about self. When you look at the Psalms, they're fantastic. But when you get to the New Testament, it's more about other people and for them. 
And so we learn that when we pray, we should be praying for other people. And what should we be praying for other people? Yes, we should pray about their health and their welfare and all those sorts of things. But ultimately, we want to pray that they grow in their love of Jesus. That they stand firm in their love for Jesus. That they don't fall away from Jesus. How are you going at praying like that for people? challenge isn't it i hope you're doing well and if you're not i hope that after today you'll go away and you'll start praying that way for people and then we looked at uh, the, the week after that we looked at praying for ministry and we looked at romans 15 and we looked at a good thing to pray for is people who are out there on the front line in a sense people who are out there sharing jesus people for ben and les people praying for me and when I looked around, because I get a different look to what you guys get from out the front here, and when I looked around, I said, have you been praying for me? There was like, huh? For Paul? Oh, what earth will we pray for you? I need your prayers. Desperately need your prayers. Not only just for the sake of being able to live and follow Jesus well, because I don't do that any better than anyone else that's sitting out there. I mean, we all need that sort of prayer. But I need your prayers that I remain faithful, faithful to God, that I speak his words from his word, not just mine, and pray that I remain faithful to my wife and to my family and to you. One of the biggest things you can pray for me is that I remain faithful to my wife. If you look across the Christian denomination, if you look across different churches, the one place where things go skew if the quickest is in when the minister and their wife... And it's amazing the amount of times it does. So you need to pray for me. You can pray for Corinne too, that she can put up with me. You pray for me though especially, that I love my wife well. So we learn about praying for people in ministry. So that's what we've learnt in prayer. And then the last one we did was how tough it is to pray. We worked out that sometimes it's just hard. We find it difficult to pray. Why? It's a wonderful privilege. It's about growing our relationship with Jesus. It's about having intimacy with God like Jesus did. It helps us with other people to grow that way. helps people in ministry that way. It's like God working with us. But yet we still struggle with it. And we looked at Mary and Martha in the Bible and how Martha was off doing the cleaning the house bit, which is a positive thing, but Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, which was the better thing. And that's where we saw what was our priorities, wasn't it? We need to be sitting and listening to Jesus. We need to be at his feet. And in God's word, the Bible, we can hear Jesus speaking directly to us. We need to read it listen to it and speak back to him as we look at that together. It's about having the right focus. It's about having the one thing that's needed is listening to Jesus. I hope have you seen through this as we've gone through this series that prayer is not a methodology. Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is not about religion, about doing it so many times a day, bowing in the right direction, spinning wheels. It's not about just going through the motions. It's about relationship. 
It's about growing in our love for a God who loved us so much that he gave his son for us. Can I encourage you with that? Can I encourage you to get into prayer? It's a vital part of our life as people who follow Jesus. Well, I'm going to race through very quickly because that's taken up a few times, hasn't it? But I'm going to go through a couple of questions that were there. Uh, let me just race through. Uh, there, were, there were four questions, but I'm going to answer three of them. And there was one note with about 15 different Bible passages to look at, and I'm not going to touch any of them because it would take me a whole sermon to be able to touch all those individual passages. So let me just answer a couple of quick questions for you that were there. Uh, and the first question was this. Uh, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. Why don't we use it in our services very often? It's a good question, isn't it? It's a good question to ask. Uh, and I hopefully that you might have heard a little bit of the answer a little bit earlier. But let me just go through a couple of points, the reasons why we don't use it every week, but then why we might be able to use it a little bit more often. Okay, firstly, uh, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, uh, look it up in Matthew 6 or Luke 11 sometimes, I don't think it was actually specifically given as a prayer to be wrote, learned and to be done in a congregation. Uh, It looks like it was given by Jesus as a model of prayer, of an example of prayer. It's about a relationship. Jesus wanted to give a model of a relationship that he wanted to. And specifically the Matthew one, it's actually talking about not being the hypocritical and just right doing stuff and saying stuff in the synagogue and doing it out there so that everyone can hear you and see you. I think what the main role of the Lord's Prayer is this, is that it gives us a proper order of prayer. God first, us next. It gives us the proper content of prayer God's will and his rules and his desires before ours and that ours need to conform to his. And it gives us the proper focus of prayer on our total dependence upon God. And then when you read through the New Testament, you actually don't hear it again. Uh, You see examples of what happens in churches in 1 Corinthians. You see what Paul and Timothy talk about, how things operate in churches. And you actually don't hear them use that ever again. So my guess is that it probably wasn't something that was part of the early church in that form that we've often come to know it as something that's done as a whole congregation. In saying that, though, what I'm going to say to you is that it's not a bad thing to do altogether every now and then. As long as we keep in mind that this is what God is saying about how we should pray not that we have to do it this way all the time. And we want to pray and that the prayers your Lord will be done, hallowed be your name, are heartfelt and real and not just I'm repeating something that's in front of me. So there's nothing wrong with doing that and it's a good question and we might do it more often. Uh, I'm not against doing it. Uh, I think it's a good thing to do every now and then but we just need to make sure we keep it in the perspective and within the realms of which it was given to us. Uh, and we're going to do it when we do that uh, with the words on the screen because uh, people have ones that they've learnt from times gone by and uh, so forth and the words that we're going to use on, on the screen are the ones in Matthew 6. So we're just going to use the one from Matthew 6 from the NIV version and uh, we're going to say those together. So we will. But remember, we want to pray it with a real heartfelt, intimate, loving relationship with God. 
And if that's the case, it's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing. Ah, okay, there you go. That's the answer to that one. Uh, next one was, every time we pray, should we pray in the name of Jesus Christ at the end? And, and again, I think that uh, we don't get a clear directive that that's the way you have to do it all the time in the Bible. Uh, but we do get a passage that says that it's a good thing to do and that for the disciples, for example, they haven't been praying this way and that's the way they should pray. So if we click it up, John chapter 16, verses 23 to 24 says that, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And so Jesus is saying to them, in the past you've probably prayed to God, not knowing who I was anyway, but now that you know who I am, pray to God and ask in my name. Why? Because now you know that I and the Father are one. That's what John, uh, Jesus says. Now you know that you come to the Father through me, as he says in John 14. And so it is a good thing to come to God and pray in my name. And as you do that, you're also saying that you are totally dependent upon Jesus for the answers and for how this is going to work out. Because he's the one that's got the power. He's the one that can change things. And so it's a good thing, I think, to pray in Jesus' name at the end of it. Yeah. Ah, third question. Is there more power in prayer if you pray as a group? Let me click up a bit on the screen where this comes from. From Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 19. It says this. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen... Take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony, testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treating him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, I could spend a whole lot of time just explaining what that means. And uh, what it means by treating them as a pagan or a tax collector is what did Jesus do with pagans and tax collectors? Spent time with them, didn't he? He loved them. He cared for them. He wanted to restore them. So don't take it the negative way. That's what often people do, don't they? They think, ah, that's not what Jesus did to them. So anyway, that's another sermon. Uh, 18, I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for it, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my, my name, there am I with them. Whenever you take a verse in the Bible, I think I said this last week, you need to make sure, can I just, this is a, a really important thing, you always need to read it in context. Okay? Uh, huge atrocities have been done in the name of one verse out of the Bible. And we don't want to go there. So to try and help answer this, I'm going to have to do a little bit of work with you to put it into the context. Uh, if you see the context of this verse, which is the last one, for where there are two or three come together in my name, there am I with you, uh, is that it's about restoring relationship. That's the context of this passage. It's where someone has hurt someone or sinned against someone or done something wrong with someone and Jesus is giving us a great way of actually trying to restore a relationship with them. He says, first, go and talk to them. Don't gossip down the street about what they did. Don't go off and sue them. Don't go off and cause a huge furor about what they've done to you. Go and talk to them. 
go and speak to them. And see, Jesus' aim in all this is to restore relationship. He wants that relationship to come back together. So go and talk to them. And God willing, that would restore a relationship. If that doesn't work, he says, well, take someone else with you so that you've got a witness, so that you can spend time together, so that you can hopefully together have a third party who can work it out with you and what? Restore a relationship. That's the aim of it. And if it doesn't work by the two of them, then don't give up of them. He says, treat them like pagans and tax collectors. Still love them. Still keep trying to restore a relationship with them. And so when it comes down to when you pray together here, what it's saying is that as we pray together about circumstances where situations have gone wrong, then pray about restoring relationships. And when two of you together praying that way, in a sense, Jesus is amongst you, with you, and will hopefully give you wisdom to enable you to restore that relationship better. So in a sense, it is good to have more than one person, isn't it? If you're just working with one thing with someone, you can get really skewed around in your mind, can't you, as you're thinking about, because anger and stuff can happen. But if you've got someone else who's there praying with you about a certain situation, God can use that person together to work through and help you work out a better angle, a better way of restoring the, the relationship. And so it's a good thing to pray together about those sorts of things. And in a sense, it's good across the board, isn't it? It's good when we pray together. It's good because we can be, in a sense, more focused and more persistent and, in a sense, a louder voice. Not that God needs a louder voice to hear, but together we come to him and bring things to him. And so I think it's not so much that there's more power when people pray together, but it is a good thing that God works through that to bring about restoration. God works through more people together to work through situations. And we always need to remember that the power doesn't rely, re, stand with us anyway. The power is with God. He's the one that can do something about things. He's the one that can bring in things for us. And as we come to him, the one who has the power, then we trust in him to help us through these things together. You see, God can work through our prayers together to bring about change. And even when the turmoil in the world around us, God is still at work. Uh, B told me a saying the other day, she said this, even if we cannot see God's hand in the mess around us, we can still trust his heart. It's a good quote, isn't it? Even if we cannot see God's hand in the mess around us, we can still trust his heart. So not that there's so much more power in two together, but it's of great benefit have two praying and God can use that in a way that he can't just by yourself because he brings another one of his family together with you or more of his family together with you and together you can bring your petitions to God so that were the three main questions there was one other question but I think we'll answer that another time and there was one other one which had about 15 different verses on it which I can't go through all of them because it takes too much time to answer all them and we need to go home at some point in time today. Uh, but hopefully they're helpful. And if you've got any more questions on prayer, feel free to ask me at any time. Um, are you happy to sit for 12 minutes to watch a, a clip? It's a bit hard if someone puts their hand up. I mean, that's a bit tricky, wasn't it? 
Uh, I want to play a clip with you for you just to finish off today and we'll sing a song at the end of that. But I'm going to allow the end of the clip to finish. We're going to have a moment of quiet reflection. The band will come up, we'll pray the song and that will finish the service. Okay? Sorry it's taking a little bit longer, but I think this is really worth watching. This is a skit by a group called The Skit Guys. Uh, it sounds a little bit funny to start off with because they're laughing. They're obviously in front of a, a church or a group of people and they're starting to talk about a skit about praying. And they want to show uh, in a funny way what prayer isn't and then in a serious way about what prayer is. So you'll get the concept as it goes through.